Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ukens gäst på Ingefär podcast är er Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Sarah Gottfried är er Harvard utbildad läge och hon har gett ut tre böcker som alla har kommit in på bestsellerlistan till New York Times. Det är er The Hormone Cure, The Hormone Reset Diet och Younger. Jag heter Sara Lossius och i episode 60 av Ingefär podcast snackar jag med Sarah huvudsakligt om boken Younger. Younger innehåller en syvveckors protokoll till hur man resätter gener slik att du kan leva sundare och längre. Og nei, boken og denne episoden er ikke bare for mammaen din. Alle har noe å lære. Det tenker i alle fall jeg. I denne episoden av Ingefær lærer du mer om hva gener, epigenetik, telomer, inflammering og healthspan er. Vi snakker om at noen tåler koffein godt og andre ikke, fordi man enten har eller ikke har et spesielt gen. Vi snakker om hvorfor mat er så viktig for oss, og vi snakker om stress og kortisol og viktigheten av å finne ditt hvorfor. Jag tror också att du kommer til att bli inspirerad att ta bastu regelmässigt, koka kraft och bruka en formroller. Du finner ordförklaringar på saralossus.no slash podcast. Sarah Gottfried finner du på saragottfriedmd.com. Mig finner du på saralossus.no och som saralossus i alla sociala kanaler. Har du frågor eller kommentarer, sender du mig en mail på sara@saralossus.no. Jag svarar alla. Och abonnera gärna på Ingefär, slik att du automatiskt får var nya episoder som läggs ut och del episoder du liker med vänner och kända och rate Ingefär i iTunes. Var vecka kommer det nya kommentarer på iTunes på varför det hör på Ingefär och det är er så kosligt. Men nog prating, låt oss höra på vad Dr. Sarah Gottfried har att säga oss. Hi Sarah. I'm hi. S- hi, I'm so honored to have you on my show. Honored to be here. Cool. I followed your work since I heard you on the Bounce Bites podcast for about five years ago. So it's been uh, quite a while with your voice and your books. Awesome. Mm. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about your newest book, Younger, today. Uh, but before we start, I'd like you to give us a little bit of uh, your background and uh, of who you are and what you want to achieve with your work. Yeah, let's see. So I'm a gynecologist by training. Um, but I, I think of myself really as a functional medicine doctor. 
So my work is aimed at helping people balance their hormones naturally and to really lengthen their health span. And by that, I mean that feeling that you have often in your 30s, 40s, and 50s of being in the prime of life. I want to extend that. So I'm not interested in extending lifespan. I want to extend health span. Mm. So my background is that I've been taking care of patients for 25 years. I do take care of men too. Um, and I'm a mother. I've got two children, an amazing husband, and I love to spin. Spinning is my favorite exercise right now. Hmm. So that's you. <laughs> <laughs> That's as short as I can get it, I think. <laughs> yeah, your book is called Younger, a breakthrough program to reset your genes, reverse aging and turn back clock 10 years. And many of my listeners are in their 20s and me, myself, uh, I'm 36. So why should we care about staying young when we are young? Yeah, great question. So it turns out that a lot of the problems that when I was in my 20s and 30s, I thought I didn't have to bother with, like Alzheimer's disease or breast cancer, they start in your body in your 20s and 30s. So they start decades before you actually have any symptoms or a diagnosis. So I want people to care about this. And really, it's much more than just growing younger. It's about you know, taking your skin, the way it looks at age 36, for instance, Sarah, and extending how it looks, like the way it looks and feels as long as possible. So it doesn't become wrinkly because your cortisol, the stress hormone, is out of whack. Or you don't develop cellulite, which is one of the things that can be um, given to you genetically. So I, I think the next 10 to 20 years of medicine is going to be all about personalized medicine, like how you take your genetics, and then you work around your genes to be as healthy as possible. So that's what this book is about. It's really about kind of the genetic underpinnings of disease and how to prevent it. So uh, when I read it, I thought that this book could be uh, interesting for everyone, not just um, my mom. <laughs> not just your mom. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, the cool thing is, there's something called the 90-10 rule, which is 10% of your risk of disease is genetic, 90% is environment. 90%, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And much of your environment is determined by your lifestyle choices. And for most of us, those lifestyle choices kind of begin in your 20s and 30s. Like that's that's really what governs the way that your genes are expressed. So that's what I, I hope we can talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we, we're going to dig into some words that maybe not all of my Norwegian listeners are familiar with. So before we go into the younger protocol, uh, I want you to define some words for us, if that's okay. Of course, yeah. Cool. Uh, og for mine norske lyttere, her er det bare å finne frem penn og papir, eller se sarolossus.no slash podcast. I have to say something in Norwegian there. Uh, so I want you to define genes epigenetics, uh, genomics, and I'm sorry if my English is bad, uh, telomeres, inflammation, and health span. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so 
genetics are basically um, each of us inherits from our parents 24,000 genes, give or take about 1,000. So you have something called a genome, which is your set of genes, the 24,000 that you got from your parents. Now, I just described the 90-10 rule where 10% of your risk of disease is genetic, Mm -hmm. 90% is environmental. And that gets into the point of epigenetics. Epigenetics is the way that your genes can change. They can get turned on or off by your environment, usually lifestyle choices. And those, those genes being turned on and off, that can actually be inherited too. So epigenetics refers to the way that genes are turned on and off. Um, telomeres. Telomeres are the cute little caps on your chromosomes. And they're kind of like the plastic caps on shoelaces. You know, sometimes the cap can get eroded. It can um, start to fray. Hmm. And that makes the shoelaces unwind. And that's not a good thing. It hurts your shoelaces. So telomeres are one of the best biomarkers or indicators of your biological aging as opposed to your chronological aging. Hmm. So when it comes to telomeres, the Nobel Prize was given to Elizabeth Blackburn and a couple of her colleagues at the University of California, San Francisco in 2009 Can I tell a quick story about telomeres just to kind of make them come alive? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So so when Elizabeth Blackburn won the Nobel Prize in 2009, I got super excited because I felt like, wow, this is a really important way of testing my patients and figuring out, are they aging fast or slow? And when she got the Nobel Prize, it was interesting because she did her work on mothers So she looked at telomere length, or how fast or slow mothers were aging. Um, And she looked at at women who had a sick child, a child in the intensive care unit, and compared them to women who had healthy children and a healthy amount of stress. And she found that it didn't matter whether your kid was sick or not. What matters is how much stress you have, like your perception of stress. And mothers who had a high perception of stress – were aging 10 years faster than mothers who had a normal amount of stress. So when I heard that, I felt like a light bulb went off. I was just like, uh-oh, <laughs> I better test myself first because <laughs> this might be happening to me. And lo and behold, I did a simple blood test to look at my telomere length. And at age 44, I had the telomeres of a 64-year-old woman. So that is not the news you want to get. I mean, basically... You know, I found out from this test that I was aging 20 years faster than I thought. And that's what led to this book, the the younger, younger, the younger protocol. So the last term you asked about was inflammaging. And And I really, oh, and healthspan. Yeah. So, so inflammaging is interesting. It's the combination of inflammation plus aging. And, you know, I practice functional medicine and we think quite a bit about how the conditions that people face, the diseases that they develop, come from either a deficiency or an excess of something, like a micronutrient, a toxin, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
But there's another factor too, and that is inflammation. Inflammation is at the root of pretty much every disease you can think of, whether it's Alzheimer's disease or breast cancer or um, even depression. So what happens with inflammation is that your immune system becomes overactivated and it leads to accelerated aging. And when you get the two together, um, it's a term that I didn't coin, but I like it a lot, called inflammaging. So healthspan's the last one. And healthspan is basically extending that prime of life. So taking your middle age, for instance, or even how you feel at age 36, and extending that as long as possible. Mm. And I think the, the best comparison is maybe disease span. So you want healthspan, not disease span. Healthspan is when you're free of disease. So quick example here is that I just turned 50, um, and my voice is a little trash from my book tour, so I apologize for that. But, um, you know, I don't want to be in my 90s or even living to my hundreds and not be able to recognize my children and grandchildren. I want to still be practicing yoga. I want to, you know, I want my eyesight to be good. I want my body weight to be healthy. I want to have lots of lean body mass. I want to age superbly. Hmm. And that's what healthspan is. And that's kind of um, uh, your why as well. What you define there is that you have a, a motivation for for taking care of yourself. Yeah, I think your why is super important when mm. it comes to the aging process. Like, why do you care? Mm. And mine's even a little more granular. Like, I want to, I want to know my great grandchildren. I grew up with a great grandmother who was kind of a a radical. She was a whole foodist. She would show up at our house with kale and. She practiced yoga way before it was popular. I want to be like that. Mm. Like, I want to know my great-grandchildren. I want to be involved in their lives. I want to dance at their weddings like my great-grandmother did. That's my why. Mm. I like your What's... friend who uh, she said that she wanted to have great sex with her husband until she dies. <laughs> yeah, I asked her like three times if it was okay <laughs> to put that in the book. She said, sure, why not? If it helps somebody, it's worth it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> What about you, Sarah? What's your why? Um, I don't know. I'm in a way better health now than in my 20s. Um, so I guess I want to continue to be uh, feel as good as I want now, as I feel now, I think, mm -hmm. because I feel strong. Uh, but I'm often too stressed, so that's what I have to work with. Yeah, we have to talk about stress today. But yes. I love that. You know, I think I, I feel better at age 50 than I did at age 40 or age 30. Like, that's what I want people to understand. You know, if you learn nothing else today, I want you to, to really connect to your why, because that pulls you forward. And to say, you know, things can get better, like you can, you can feel better every decade. That's the promise of this kind of vibrant health that we're talking about. And also say I have to say that um, uh, I saw your talk at Folketeater i Oslo last year. Yes. Yes. And I, you uh, look really, really, really good. So if I, <laughs> if I look like that when I'm 50, I'm happy. <laughs> you know, I went to yoga every day when I was in Oslo. And I loved Norway so much. Mm. I, you know, I'm so excited because I'm hoping that um, my first book's going to get translated into Norwegian. And... 
I want to come back. I just absolutely love Norway. I think the people are amazing. I love the food. I, I love the cloudy skies. I, I just think it's an amazing place. Mm, you have to come back. You're more than welcome. Awesome. Thanks. Cool, cool, cool. We're going to talk about um, uh, aging first. Uh, when do we start to get older? If you understand my question. So when does aging start? Yeah, so uh, much to my dismay, I learned that it starts usually between 35 and 40. Oops. Yeah, so <laughs> 35 is when you start to make more fat in your body. And unless you're doing something about it, what happens over time is that you gain about 1% body fat every year, starting at age 35. And then you start to lose muscle mass. And I, I like to think about aging <clears throat> that it begins in your muscles mm. so um what happens is that you lose about five pounds of muscle mass every decade starting at 40 so if you're not doing something actively about it like i love to spin i love to lift weights if you're not doing something active this kind of silent process is happening um behind the scenes and unless you're checking your body composition, you may not know it. And I, you know, one of the ways this showed up for me was that when I was about 45, I went to a spa and I was doing a high intensity interval training class, which is kind of like a CrossFit class. I don't know if you have CrossFit in Norway. Yeah, I used to do it. <laughs> oh, you used to do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe that was part of your stress. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah, I stopped um, when I got pregnant with my first. <laughs> oh, good. Glad you stopped. Maybe we could talk about why. Yep. Um, so I was doing this CrossFit class and the instructor who was about 25 and stunningly gorgeous, um, even my husband thought he was gorgeous, was he asked us to jump up on a box. So he put these boxes in front of us and he demonstrated. He jumped up onto a two foot box and um, and then he put a box that was lower in front of me. It was like 18 inches so I like mustered my courage and I jumped up on this box and I could barely do one. And then he asked us to do it 14 more times. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what happened? I used to be a gymnast. Why can't I do this? Why is it so hard? And it turns out that your fast twitch muscle fibers are what, to, what start to fade first. Mm. So you asked, you know, how do we detect aging? Where does it start? It starts in your muscles. And we want to be paying attention to this because you don't want to be, you know, in a wheelchair or with a walker in your 70s or 80s. We want to prevent that. We want to keep those muscle fibers, keep them strong and don't let them fade. Well, how, how do I do that? I'm diving right into your book, but how, how do we prevent uh, being in a wheelchair at 70? Yeah, well, it's a... It's a functional medicine protocol, so it's comprehensive. It's not, you know, just one thing that you need to do that's mm -hmm. going to keep you from needing a walker. So it starts with your food. It also involves your sleep. These are uh, week one and week two of the protocol. Week three is move. And the cool thing is it doesn't take going to a CrossFit class. Like moderate exercise, 30 minutes a day is really the minimum that you want to keep your muscles strong. You also need some strength training. 
And it can be with body resistance. Like I'm a big fan of bar classes. I don't know if bar is popular in Oslo. I don't remember going well, to a studio. I don't I was, think yeah, we have it. Well, I I'm imagine sure. it would be very popular there, actually, because, um, you know, Norwegian women I think of as being so lean. And bar gives you kind of lengthened lean muscles. Mm. And I think they're very good for preventing osteoporosis and for, um, you know, keeping your posture excellent. Bar classes, if you don't, if you haven't heard of them, are a combination of ballet bar and yoga and Pilates. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of core work, and I think the core work plus the the weightlifting is very important. And for women, I think body resistance is fine. And then also release, like making sure you're stretching and releasing, which was always the thing that I would cut out, you know, when I was rushing home to the babysitter um, after working out, I would skip stretching. And it's perhaps the most important part of um, your movement protocol, because it helps to release the tension, kind of let it go from your body so that it doesn't stay there. Um, I used to be a runner. I still run now, but not as much. And a lot of exercise like running actually raises your cortisol pretty high. Mm -hmm. And so you want to be careful to release that tension that you build up in your body and your fascia and your muscles, in your joints and your tendons and your ligaments. And stretching does that. Mm. Could you please give us a brief description of fascia? Because I really thought I was really fascinating when I read about it. Yeah, fasc fascia is totally fascinating to me yeah. too. As you can probably tell from a whole chapter on it. Um, so fascia is the, you know, the, the simple definition is that it's the fibrous connective tissue that weaves throughout your body, mostly encasing and enveloping your muscles. But it's, it's basically like a continuous sheet from your head to your toe. And we used to kind of ignore fascia, um, You know, I used to be a surgeon and we paid attention to fascia when we were stitching together someone's abdomen because it's the strongest part of your body. It's the strongest. It's the connective tissue. It's where you have a lot of collagen and it's where a lot of healing and repair happens. And this is not like new science. Um, it turns out that in Chinese medicine, the fascia is considered the the tissue through which your life force runs or your chi. So when you go to an acupuncturist, for instance, um, I don't know if that's something you do, Sarah, I go about once a week. Uh, what they do is they, they put needles or they apply acupressure to your fascia. There's places in your fascia where the life force, the energy is stuck and it creates adhesions. And that's what's being addressed. Um, Uh, with acupuncture and acupressure. But more on a Western medicine side, what happens over time is that people develop fascial adhesions. Um, and they look at it in Western medicine more as a place of limited activity, mm -hmm. or um, kind of cellular uh, decline, where you start to lose mobility. And for me, you know, I, I practice yoga, I'm a yoga teacher. And so I can, I can feel almost on a daily basis, like where I have fascial adhesions, you can also feel them, you know, if you go to a massage therapist, and you have a place where you have a, a trigger point, or, you know, like a, 
a clump of muscle that really hurts when they press on it, mm. that's a fascial adhesion. Mm. And the most common places are in your trapezius, like your shoulders and your neck, just from you know sitting at a computer um, or sitting at a desk. Also your low back. Uh, I develop fascial adhesions in my hips. I don't sit as much as I used to. Sitting makes you fat and dumb. It's the new smoking. So I don't sit like I used to, but when I used to sit, I would get really tight hip flexors and daily yoga almost wasn't enough to undo the damage. So your fascia is incredibly important. I'll shut up about the fascia because I could probably talk about it for an hour. <laughs> no, no, no. But you can use a, <laughs> a small, as you, you, uh, you don't have to go to um, a massage therapist to fix your fascia. That's the cool thing. Oh, totally. So mm. You know, what I love about the fascia is that you can work with it on your own. You know, I use a foam roller. Um, here in the States, we have this new thing that's all the rage called the fascia blaster. Ooh. I don't want to blast my fascia, but I, would, I do want to roll it out and I want to remove adhesions. Another thing that happens if you are removing fascial adhesions is that it helps to release cellulite. So... If I can't get you, you know, with the functional reasons, maybe for the vanity reasons, you might be interested in the fascia. Yeah, I, uh, that hit me. <laughs> My boyfriend, <laughs> he uh, he used the foam roller every evening, and I never do it, but I actually should do it because now it's summertime soon. Well, uh, you could have date night. You could have a foam rolling date night. <laughs> yeah, that's what I recommend. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Um, I want us to talk about uh, food, which is uh, the week one of your uh, seven weeks protocol. Why yeah. is food so important for our health and how we age? Yeah, food. I used to think of food as entertainment. Like I would love to go, I'm a foodie. So I love to go to fancy restaurants or even like cool, interesting, new, edgy restaurants. And then I thought about food as fuel as I went through my medical training. And now I, I think about food as information. It's information for your DNA. It's information for those 24,000 genes. And it's often your food that can turn on and off certain genes. 
especially the naughty ones that are associated with aging. So what you put in your mouth, I think is so important. Um, There's a few principles here. Like you want to eat in a way that gives your food the right, gives your DNA the right information. You also want to prevent inflammation. So for me, for instance, if I eat dairy or gluten, it increases the inflammation in my body and accelerates the aging process. When I eat a wild-caught Alaskan salmon, that is probably some of the best information for my DNA. And in fact, I have a gene called the PPARG gene. You can read about it in the book. That makes it more likely for me to lose weight if I consume um, wild-caught salmon. So we want to be thinking about, you know, which genes you can turn on and off with certain foods. And I have a quick mnemonic, like a quick little memory device here. Mm -hmm. And that is to eat foods that start with the letter B. So do you mind if I list those? Please do. (laughs) So, um, you know, the, the chapter is very comprehensive. And this is just a short taste of it. But Some of the foods that are so good for you that slow down the aging process and really are the best information for your genes include Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts have an amazing nutrition profile. They're really rich in selenium. They're the richest source of selenium of any food, which is good for your thyroid. You need your thyroid to really function well as you get older. Um, You know, the thyroid's not like a fine Bordeaux that gets better with time. It starts to decline usually around age 40, kind of like your muscles. So Brazil nuts. The second is bone broth. Mm. Are you a fan of bone broth, Sarah? Yeah, we had the, for supper today, we had the chicken curry with bone broth. Oh, I love it. Yes, yes. So <laughs> bone broth is really rich in collagen. Collagen starts to decline around the same time that your bones start to decline, which is, you know, you reach your peak bone mass at around 35, and then it starts to decline. Mm. And I hate, you know, being the voice of doom and gloom. But what I really want to focus on is, okay, what can I do about it? You know, if I'm going to lose a lot of collagen between the age of 35 and 55, what can I do about it? And bone broth is one of the richest sources of collagen. So it's not just simple chicken stock or beef stock. It's where you cook down the bones, you know, with chicken that includes the feet. Chicken feet are really rich in collagen and um, gelatin. And with Um, organic pasture-fed cows, it would be the femurs, the thigh bones. You can also make a fish bone broth that I have in the book. So the idea with bone broth is that it's a way of healing the gut. You know, we talked earlier about how inflammation is kind of the problem that we want to address and turn around. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you're immune system gets overactivated and leads to inflammation is that you can develop leaky gut. So I developed leaky gut probably through a combination of stress, a little too much wine, and um, having babies, which was one of the most stressful things in my life, and uh, developed this intolerance to gluten and dairy. So I have leaky gut. It's something I've been healing for a while. And drinking bone broth helps to reverse that. Now, another B is berberine. Berberine is a supplement that helps to control blood sugar. We can talk more about that if you'd like. But blood sugar tends to rise, again, starting in your 40s. It goes up about 10 points per decade. And it's probably the most important lever when it comes to slowing down the aging process. You know, I would say food, sleep, exercise, stress, 
um, purpose, meaning cognition, and then glucose. Toxins are in there too. Mm. But glucose, your blood glucose, making sure that you have a stable, normal blood sugar is incredibly important. A lot of people don't realize how much their glucose varies, how much they spike, or maybe they know they have hypoglycemia. That's not good either. It usually means your adrenals are burned out. So um, berberine helps to control blood sugar. It's actually better than pharmaceuticals in head-to-head comparisons. And then the last B is biodynamic wine. Hmm. So this is wine that's grown with organic grapes, but also with um, kind of a low footprint, a low carbon footprint. And it's just biodynamic wine doesn't have the toxins that conventional wine Hmm. has. So those are my four B's. But would you say red or white wine? Well, red wine has more resveratrol, which is a really good way to uh, turn on the longevity genes. There's three main longevity genes that I think about. There's CERT1, mTOR, and um, FOXO3. mTOR is a little bit more complicated. You need to regulate that one. You actually want to turn it off, but the other two you want to turn on. Could we just uh, pause and then get into the studies that you mentioned about? Uh, you mentioned the Dutch famous studies and some studies done on uh, kids from the 9-11. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the Dutch famine, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with um, what was known as the hunger winter. This was in German-occupied Western Netherlands, where the the Germans blockaded transports, and it led to a catastrophic drop in the availability of food. This was in November of 1944. So people barely survived. They got about 30% of their normal calories. And they had amazing health records at this time. So they went from November 1944 until May 1945 when the Allies liberated the region. And it's very painful to think about this particular time, but it mm. it's a way of kind of looking at your genes and what happens, not just the people who survived the hunger winter, but also what happened to their babies, what happened to the famine babies. There were 2,400 of them and even the famine grandbabies. So there's a couple of things that happened, and this is kind of the power of epigenetics. What happened was that women who were pregnant before, during, or immediately after the famine, they were carefully tracked, and they found that they had a normal body weight, um, but that their their babies, so the famine grandbabies, were fat. They had what's known as neonatal adiposity. And also their health was poor later in life. So what happened was the grandparents changed the genes, not the DNA, but the epigenetics. So um, they put little paper clips and tags on their DNA. And it led to this problem of fat babies and then fat children. Another thing that's happened is they've looked at the cognitive function of these um, these folks that survived the famine, the generations afterwards, and they found that there's a number of cognitive problems in these people, that basically they were aging faster. And, you know, one person who went through this time um, that you can maybe relate to a little more specifically is Audrey Hepburn. 
so she was an actress and hum- humanitarian. She got an Academy Award for Roman Holiday, a film that she was in. And she was born in Belgium, but she grew up in the Netherlands. She studied ballet. And she was a survivor of the hunger winter. She worked as a courier for the Dutch resistance. And after living through the famine, um, I think we can all remember she was so beautiful. Breakfast at Tiffany's, one of my favorite movies. She experienced lifelong poor health, just like the other survivors of the famine. And she died prematurely of cancer at age 64. That was in 1993. So that is kind of a, an illustration of the power of epigenetics. And um, you want to talk about 9-11 too? Uh, yeah, because I think it's interesting. Mm. Yeah. So another, you know, atrocity, I always like to think, okay, what can we compost from some of the atrocities that we've survived? So another atrocity is the the 9-11 terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City. That was in 2001. And there's a woman who took the women, who, who looked at the pregnant women who survived the attacks. Um, she's also looked at uh, survivors of the Holocaust, but I'll focus on the 9-11 attacks here. So her name is Rachel Yehuda. She's a professor of psychiatry and neuroscience at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And she she looked at one gene in particular called the FKBP5. And these genes are pretty much impossible to remember. They sound like license plates. So if you want more details about the genes, definitely get my book. I have a whole appendix on the genes and what to do based on your results. So she looked at this gene because she she found from her research on Holocaust survivors that it was a really important stress gene that gets turned on and off. And when she looked at the people who survived the terrorist attacks and then looked at their babies, she found that out of this group of 35 pregnant women, this gene was altered and it increased the women's risk of developing post-traumatic stress disorder and also passing the post-traumatic stress disorder onto their babies. So that's a gene that controls your stress response. If you can bear one more story, I'll give you one more story that um, is kind of interesting. There was a, an ice storm in Canada, in Northern Canada that happened about 20 years ago. And it was about a two to three week period where people were stuck in their homes because it was so cold and the roads were so slick from the ice storm and power was out. No one could get food. So it was this period of time, only three weeks, much shorter than the hunger winter where they, they looked at the women again who were pregnant and survived this ice storm. And they found now that those children are 18 to 20 years old, they found that those children had the genes for diabetes and also inflammation and obesity turned on. So this is a really powerful description of epigenetics and how the trauma, the stress that you encounter can turn on certain genes. It's why a lot of people, for instance, when they have extreme stress, and you know, I, I think of that category very broadly, not just the 9-11 terrorist attacks, but even kind of the daily stresses that we have, 
how that can make you fat and inflamed and age you faster and give you a greater risk of post-traumatic stress disorder. So I get super passionate about talking about epigenetics because, you know, I'm talking about the negative aspects of epigenetics here, but also keep in mind that epigenetics presents a sacred opportunity. Like there are ways that epigenetics can be leveraged. It can be um, worked in your favor, including the food that you eat. You know, I talked about wild caught salmon and how that improves the gene expression of the PPARG gene and helps me lose weight. I have famine genes because I'm half Irish, half Polish. And um, I have a lot of genes that are programming me to be obese and diabetic with no hair. And so I want, I want to turn those genes off and there's lots of ways I can do it with, you know, the way that I eat, move, think, and supplement. We could talk about the week six and uh, the sooth chapter. Yes. Um, could you tell us about the importance of um, winding down or how does stress make us older? Yeah, well, the problem with stress And I I wish we talked about this in kind of a more nuanced way, because I think for a lot of people, when you bring up the topic of stress, they kind of roll their eyes and change the station. (laughs) So, um, but stress to me is the elephant in the room. It is the thing that can rob you of your youth, maybe more than any other factor. So there are some people who naturally just roll with the punches well. My husband's a good example. You know, I've tested him hundreds of times looking at his adrenal function and his brain function and how much cortisol does he make, how much DHEA, how much testosterone, how much estrogen. And the man is like a perfect hormonal specimen. He's so good. Um, Probably because he's been a lifelong athlete and that's how he deals with stress. But then there's the rest of us. You know, I have a number of genes that get turned on um, by stress, including, as I mentioned, diabetes and obesity. And so my job is to keep my cortisol within this Goldilocks range where it's not too high and it's not too low. Mm-hmm. And that's true for so many women and men. Women are more affected by this because you know, we're designed to be the caregivers. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. I'm a total feminist, but we are biologically programmed and evolution has designed us to be. Um, the the gatherers, the connectors, you know, the, the ones who take care of children and have this maternal instinct. And so it also means that we're more sensitive. We're very sensitive to our environment. And so for those of us who, you know, work a lot and also have children or have aging parents that you're taking care of or, you know, whoever you're, you're caretaking, it can really take a toll. Mm-hmm. And so this is where exquisite self-care comes in. I've got a couple of non-negotiables when it comes to how I craft my day. And I talk about this in the book. Like I have to meditate for 30 minutes every morning. It just you know, we know that meditation grows your brain, which is really important for slowing down the aging process. It increases your gray matter. It also resets cortisol. It raises serotonin, which is the brain chemical that's responsible for mood and sleep and, and appetite. So I have to meditate 
um, every morning. And I've, you know, I've played around with different times, but 30 minutes is what really works for me. So there's, you know, I'm not saying you have to meditate every 30 minutes, but I, I think developing practices, you can call them spiritual or not, that really help you direct these genes. So turn it on and off the genes that are associated with aging. That's so important. And it's, I think it's important to get into that habit when you're young, you know, when you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. Mm. So I started transcendental meditation when I was in college. I was really into it, although, you know, all the people in the class had long hair and looked like hippies. But it set up a lifetime of being a seeker and, you know, wanting to find ways to really make sure that I have the right mindset for slowing down the aging process. I have, you know, a, a lot of your health is related to not just your physical being, not just your telomeres, but this um, this web, this interconnection and interdependence between by, body, mind, and spirit. Mm. So um, I can't say enough about um, meditation and yoga, but there's other ways that people get soothed. You know, it's, there's a, a psychiatrist at Stanford University who's famous for saying, if you're a guy and you want to improve your health, be with a woman, like be married. And if you're a woman and you want to improve your health, be with your girlfriends. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of truth to that because women, when we get together, we take care of each other, we connect, we process our emotions. You know, calling a girlfriend for 15 minutes is probably just as good as meditating for 30 minutes. Mm. What about the coffee? Because I uh, last week I quit coffee for one week and now I only drink one cup a day. And what uh, to my surprise actually, I sleep way better at night and I wake up more alert in the morning. Yeah, isn't that a paradox that Yeah, it is. I'm I'm really <laughs> shocked. So I have to <laughs> I have bought the decaffeinated coffee now because I really like the taste, but I can't really drink so much coffee that I used to be. Used to do. Uh, well, you may be a slow metabolizer. So oh, about okay. half the population is a fast metabolizer and people who are fast metabolizers, so they burn through the caffeine really fast, their liver can take it up and process it and they don't have any side effects from drinking coffee. And they're the ones who are wondering, you know, what's all of us about? Of course, coffee is good for you. Mm. But then there's the other half of the population. I'm in this category. We're slow metabolizers. So we metabolize the caffeine more slowly, we're more likely to be jittery and to have our sleep get affected by having coffee. There's like a 200 milligram um, uh, threshold that leads to more side effects. So a lot of the studies that have been done on coffee, the problem is they didn't separate people into fast metabolizers versus slow metabolizers. And um, this gene is called CYP1A2. So being a slow metabolizer, I have the same experience as you. So I happen to love coffee. I love the taste of it. Mm -hmm. And even one cup for me will lead to my sleep, um, sleeping less by like 30 to 60 minutes every night. Mm -hmm. And I track my sleep obsessively. So I can tell you that um, I can demonstrate this pretty clearly And so I periodically have to get off of coffee. One of the things that coffee does, especially if you're a slow metabolizer, is that it raises your cortisol. So it raises the stress hormones. Mm. 
So, you know, a lot of people drink coffee because they're tired and they want to boost. But the problem is that can end up biting you in the butt because it raises your cortisol. It makes it harder to sleep that night. Even if you don't notice it, it's not as high quality sleep. And then it makes you more tired the next day. And so instead of one cup, maybe you have two. And it's it's like taking a high interest loan out of your adrenal function, those little cute organs in the back that um, are above your kidneys that produce all these sex hormones like cortisol. Mm. Now, the other thing that is true for people who are slow metabolizers of caffeine is that we also tend to be slow metabolizers of stress. So stress doesn't clear the body, just like the caffeine doesn't clear the body as fast, the liver doesn't clear it out. Mm. It tends to linger, it lingers in your fascia, it lingers in your mind, it lingers in your jaw, and makes your jaw tight. Um, And so we need to have ways of releasing that as well. So I'm a big fan of periodically getting off of coffee and then just kind of seeing what happens with your sleep. And if you're someone like you, Sarah, who sleeps better and more deeply and longer off the caffeine, it probably means you're a slow metabolizer and you should keep your content less than 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. Yeah, probably. My boyfriend uh, is happy because finally I got up earlier than him, which hasn't happened in four years since we got kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it is. Um, I want to, uh, I have a couple of more questions before I let you go. Uh, sure. But I want to talk about uh, the week five expose. Since I got pregnant with my first kid, I've mostly used eco-friendly healthcare products. uh, And we also have eco-friendly household products. Um, Why does it matter? Yeah, toxins. Mm -hmm. Well, what I mentioned earlier in our conversation is that there's these levers that control how fast or slow you're aging or, you know, how, how rapidly you're heading toward disease. And those levers are food, sleep, exercise, stress, cognition, purpose, meaning um, blood sugar and toxins. So there's a lot of ways that toxins age you. The simplest that I can think of is toxins like bisphenol A, um, which disrupts so many different hormones. So it's a xenoestrogen. It acts like a fake estrogen in your body. It increases your risk of breast cancer. can also affect puberty um, in your children. And um, it also disrupts androgens like testosterone. It disrupts um, thyroid function. And it disrupts insulin. And insulin is probably one of the most important hormones when it comes to slowing down the aging process. Um So bisphenol A can act as an obesogen, meaning that it makes you more likely to get fat as you get older. Mm. So that's just one example. I mean, flame retardants are another example. They have been associated with disrupting the thyroid and increasing your risk of abnormal pap smears. So we want to be mindful about the toxins that we get exposed to. And I think the two most important places to address this, you mentioned, one is you know, the household products that you have, like the cleaning products. And the second is your beauty regimen. So what kind of skincare products you're using, what kind of shampoo, you know, making sure your shampoo doesn't have sodium lauryl sulfate. I use only organic products on my skin. I imagine you probably went through this too, since you've 
had children. Mm. But your skincare products are really important. You know, there was one study done in London that showed that the average woman puts 515 synthetic chemicals on her skin every day. And that just makes me sad. I mean, we have to change that. You know, we 20 years ago, we got excited about organic food and we stepped away from processed food and from, you know, the foods that are laden with pesticides. Um, but we haven't done that yet with our skin. So we need organic products. Your skin is a really important source of letting toxins into your body that can really disrupt your DNA, you know, almost like a bowl in a china shop. Now, there's also positive exposures. It's not just bad news here. Um, One of my favorite positive exposures is the sauna. Mm -hmm. In fact, taking a regular sauna is such a powerful way of slowing down the aging process. There was a super exciting study published in the journal of the American Medical Association, which is one of the most prestigious journals we have here in the States. And they found they followed 2,400 guys from Finland over 20 years. So a gigantic study, you couldn't do it here in the States because um, people aren't zealots about saunas like um, I am. But they found that there was a 40% decreased mortality, 40% among men who had a sauna four times a week for at least 20 minutes. So that's staggering. I mean, you hardly ever read about such a powerful effect Saunas are so good for you. And one of the ways they work is they turn on the FOXO3 longevity gene. And this is a gene that um, is associated with li- with uh, tripling your chance of living to 100. It's a very powerful gene. And then the other benefit of saunas is that it helps you sweat out toxins. It helps you get rid of toxins from your fat, which is where it's stored. Mm. Now, I have to say, when I came to Oslo my host had a sauna in her house. (laughs) So I'm hoping that some of our listeners in Norway are um, fans of the sauna. I actually have a sauna in my house. I think it's such a powerful um, lever that you can pull to slow down the aging process, increase toxin removal, and, um, and really, you know, sweat it out, get the stress out. It's a form of moderate exercise. Um, it's on my wish list. My dad has a sauna and I'm going to visit him on, on uh, Sunday. Oh, so fantastic. Wait. Yeah, he's lucky. Oh, good. Uh, before I let you go, I have three quick questions that I all ask uh, all my guests. Sure. Uh, what did you have for breakfast today? Huh. Well, I just had a colonoscopy yesterday. So my breakfast today wasn't typical, but here's what I had. <laughs> You're going to see like how weird I am with the foods I eat. So I had about an ounce of macadamia nuts. I absolutely love macadamia nuts. I went on a recent trip when I turned 50 to Hawaii and I got a bunch of them. They're so delicious and they're so rich in healthy fat. So an ounce of macadamia nuts, a banana. I don't usually have bananas. It was kind of a treat because, um, after a colonoscopy, you know, you clear out your gut uh, completely. I won't get into the details. Um, but a banana is very soothing when your gut is upset. And then I had about an ounce of yucca chips. Now, this is a little strange. Uh, yucca is a root vegetable that um, it's kind of like a like a sweet potato. It's, it's really nutrient-dense. And I make these chips out of yucca root. So that's what I had for breakfast. 
What's a typical breakfast for you? Um, typical is that I often will make a porridge, like out of sweet potatoes or pumpkin or, um, you know, some like starchy vegetable. And then I'll top it with nuts. And um, I try to have a combination of carbs and protein and fat that kind of works with my DNA. So that's that's pretty typical. I almost always have nuts. Uh, what's your best uh, health advice? Well, you, sauna you is what sauna. <laughs> I I have a lot of them, but I would say get get thee to a sauna. So I'm glad you're going to go visit your dad who has a sauna. My my dad. I grew up with a sauna in my house too, and um, you know, find your way to a sauna either at your gym um, or go to a friend's or a relative's who's got a sauna. Like I think that's one of the most powerful things you can do. That and think of your food as information. Like make your choice about your next meal thinking, okay, how could I feed my DNA in the best way possible? And um, the last question is, what's your best beauty advice? Mm. Well, I think of beauty as a reflection of your inner ecosystem. Mm. So my best, my best beauty advice is to really take care of your body. Like it doesn't matter what cream you use. It doesn't matter how much money you spend on a moisturizer What matters is taking care of cortisol. Cortisol is what causes wrinkles. Um, having a sense of purpose and vision. Having a lot of meaning in your life and connections. Like love, I think, is one of the best beauty tonics. Mm. So I'd say take care of your inner ecosystem. That's my best e beauty advice. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so my happy. And, yeah, uh, thanks for And I guess I, you have to come back to the show later on if your book is uh, being published in Norway, the next or the I hormone would cure. Mm. I would love that. Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks. <laughs> bye. Du har hört episode 60 av Ingefär med mig Sara Lossius. Jag har snackat med Dr. Sarah Gottfried och jag hoppas du också synes intervjuet var intressant och lärorikt. Om du blir inspirerad och koka kraft för att hålla dig ung, sök efter kraft på saralossius.no så finner du en uppskrift. Han fin uke till vi hörs igen. Ha det. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 